Good morning, church family. Raise your hand if you have ever made a decision in your life. I mean, there should be all hands up. You all got dressed, you picked your outfit today, or maybe your spouse picked your outfit. Troy and I, great minds think alike. Um, you decided to make it to church this morning. Maybe you chose to watch online. Um, but we make decisions all the time. And I guarantee you there's going to be a little bit of a conversation in about 30, 45 minutes about lunch today, right? Usually it's a text to the family, hey, what do you guys, what do you want for lunch? Well, I don't know. Uh, you decide, right? It's like, no, make a decision. Um, and that's what I want to talk about today. Today is talking about are you in or are you out? Uh, Jesus has set up all throughout chapter 6, uh, this object lesson, he's set up and explained the bread. Uh, it is now to a point in this event, in chapter 6, that, that some people are making decisions. Are they going to be all in with Jesus, or are they out? So read with me John chapter 6. We're going to finish up the chapter today. John chapter 6, verses 60 to 71. And this is right after Jesus kind of laid everything out of what it takes to follow him by basically allowing him into your life uh, to abide with you and you with him, full commitment. Uh, and then this is where we are. Ch verse six, 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense to this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning that who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Uh, verse 66, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They're out. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. For he, the one of the twelve, was going to betray him. So we have Jesus setting up this object lesson, uh, feeds him some bread, says, by the way, there's some better bread coming from heaven, and then amps it up and says, by the way, that bread is me, and then really lays it all out like you've got to partake of me, you've got to eat me to, to have you or have me come into your life. You have to fully commit, uh, and in that... It was pretty, pretty uh, disturbing for a lot of the group that was there. This crowd that started off with about 20,000 people. Who knows what the number is now? But now Jesus is like, there it is. Um, and we're going to see in these verses a uh, majority that were like, nope, we're out. And then there's still some that were like, no, we're in. We know who you are. Uh, and once he laid this out, many of the disciples said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Now, the disciples, these aren't the 12. 
This is the group originally of the 20,000 that got to get the free bread and fish. They're probably less that made it over to Capernaum and probably even less as they were hearing more of what Jesus was saying. We don't know how many were there, but disciples here mean a student. Uh, someone who is, who is trying to learn, trying to figure out what Jesus is saying. So there is still a crowd studying Jesus, listening. Uh, and this is the group of disciples who are like, yeah, this is pretty hard listening. Um, this is difficult to hear. And then there's this hard saying. And what is this hard saying? Uh, it's not saying by the, word, by the way that the words themselves were hard to understand, but Jesus' teaching was hard to understand. They knew kind of what was going on, uh, but they weren't ready to fully commit uh, this no life, no Jesus thing, this fully abide in Jesus, take him in, uh, fully commit your life to truly believe, give everything over to Jesus, to absolutely commit your life to him by allowing him into your life. Um, it's time to decide, are you in or are you out? Uh, and these first set of verses is the group that was like, we're out. Um, not making that commitment. Haven't quite figured out who you are. And in verse 66 says, after this, many of his disciples, this group, turned back and no longer walked with him. And why? Uh, a few reasons why. One reason that they're out is because they wanted an easier message. Uh, for, the, for them to say this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? They wanted something a little bit easier uh, not only to comprehend, comprehend, but to commit to, you know, let us give, you know, we give us a trial run, Jesus, where you kind of let us, you know, have 30 days and then we can, like, no, Jesus is like, you're in or you're out, and they wanted an easier message. Uh, most just wanted more of that Jesus experience, the free food, the cool signs and miracles that he was doing, uh, these things that were entertaining, but Jesus is like, no. Like, you've got to commit to me. You've got to fully believe in who I am. Um, and that was a little too hardcore for them. Too much of a commitment level. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. Because, unfortunately, there are even people today who would prefer a church where you know, that's easy listening. You know, a few topics of how uh, to be a better parent, better spouse, uh, how to, you know, live a good life, be nice to, your, to the people around you. But 2 Timothy verses, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 warn about this. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So here's this warning of, yeah, there are some people out there that will tickle your ears and, and say nice things and make it easier. And that's kind of what the crowd, crowd wanted. But yet here is a situation where what the crowd wanted, Jesus was not going to give them. Um, and what Jesus offered, they wouldn't receive. They're like, we're out. This is too much. Um, by the way, this is a good reminder that we need to be students of this word and students of our relationship with Jesus and who he is in our prayer life, making sure that even coming from this pulpit and from Bible studies, you are getting the truth. Because if you're not, you need to leave that church. Don't, you're not out with Jesus. But we need, to be, we need to know what we are hearing. 
from the pulpit and from Bible study. Get into the word. Know what scripture says uh, and what Jesus is saying. And here's Jesus giving a very simple truth, yet difficult to commit to. Um, but they were like, we're not ready for this. We'd, we'd rather have an easier way, not the way. So not only were they out because they wanted an easier message, they were out because they took offense. Um, now we read this in verse 61. Do you take offense to this? Jesus is saying, look, here's, here's the plan. Here's how you have salvation. Here is how you believe in me, that you take me in, you fully commit. Uh, you, you choose me as your Savior and Lord, the Messiah. Uh, and then in that, you fully give your, your whole life to me. And some were like, I'm not doing that. Here's another picture. The word offense here in the Greek is actually used with a stumbling block. And even old, old archaic English is this word, is, is a picture of a stumbling block. So Jesus, I can imagine like, hey, here it is. Here's the truth. Um, by the way, it's not going to get easier. It's going to be a challenge. Your faith, your relationship with me, you're going to have challenges. And there are some things about me you still don't know about. Um, and he's like, if you're having trouble getting around this and you're going to stumble on this issue, wait, till what, wait to see what comes. And look at verse 62. It says, what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Um, and so not only is, here's a plan, take me in, abide with me. Jesus is saying, wait till you ascend. And what's going to happen before that? His death on the cross, his resurrection. If you can't handle this truth, wait till you see what I'm going to do for you, for your salvation. Jesus told them that, yeah, he came from heaven and one day he's going back. But if his teaching and signs and these object lessons are hard to accept, what will they do with the crucifixion, with the resurrection, with his ascension? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 1, verses 18 and 19, and then we're going to jump down to verse 23. But the things of Jesus are not easy to understand, and not, or they're easy to understand, they're, they're not easy to grasp. And it takes faith, and it takes belief. And there are some phenomenal things, crazy things by the world's standards that Jesus is going to do. Uh, read with me 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 19. It says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning will thwart. And then down to 23, But we preach Christ crucified, a what? A stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. It's made to where if you're not going to believe, if you, if you have not understood who Jesus is as the Son of God, the cross is going to seem crazy. Um, his teaching is crazy enough. And then for him to rise again and then for him to ascend to heaven, uh, it's craziness in the eyes of the world. And of course, that's not going to make sense. Uh, that a person is going to sacrifice himself, uh, a person who claims to be God, a God who is going to die for the sins of humanity, is craziness. But yet, this is our God. This is our, our beloved Savior who's going to lay down his life 
with his shed blood for our sins to rise again to conquer sin and death and then to ascend back to heaven. Uh, and so these things are coming and Jesus is like, if you can't handle my teaching, beware of what's coming. So they're out because they took offense. They couldn't, they were stumbling over the first piece of what Jesus was, was accomplishing. And then they're out because they didn't believe. Uh, verse 64 says, but there are some of you who do not believe. And part of the reason that they aren't believing is they keep getting stuck on those stinking signs. They want the cool stuff. They want the free food. Uh, they want these signs and these miracles and wonders of what Jesus is doing. Uh, and they're not looking beyond that to believe. Uh, they were worried about what they're eating. And when Jesus talk, is talking about this bread from heaven that will give them life, they're like, all right, I don't have to work again. I get this, this food for free to live out my life. They thought they had to do something to earn the bread. They had to give something of themselves, at penance or whatever, to pay for their, their salvation. But what does Jesus come back with? It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. We talked about this last week. Our salvation experience from beginning to end has nothing to do with us and all about God and his work. Uh, from the drawing of the father to his son, uh, for his son to know who the father is bringing to our salvation, uh, to our belief in Jesus, all the way until we pass from this earth or Christ uh, returns, we know that we have that salvation only because it is the work of God, completely. And even Jesus knew that some of them would not believe in him or his words. He even knew that there would be one that would betray him. And we see that in verse 71, that is Judas Iscariot. Jesus knows this. He knows that there are going to be many who don't believe. But in that, we see the, the divine, sovereign plan of God. Uh, that this was the plan. And we don't understand why Judas is involved in all of this. But we do know that it was, it was all set out by God. And knowing that that was part of the divine plan. It's the reason that he said that no one can come to faith in him without the Father drawing him. Uh, we don't have anything to give or to add to our salvation. It is all him. But not everyone was out, were they? We have our disciples, our 12. Verse 67 so Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? And how does Peter respond? No way, we're in. Like, we are absolutely in. Why? Because, Lord, who, to whom shall we go? There, there's no one else. We know who you are. Why would we even go anywhere else? Uh, there is only one person that we are going to keep our eyes focused on, and that is you. Uh, Jesus, our Christ, our Savior, our Messiah. Now, did they have a choice? Absolutely. But they, and they could have walked away, but they didn't. Um, because they knew that it was the best and only choice. And by the way, Peter is speaking for the whole 12, or all 12. We know that Judas is part of that 12. Uh, isn't that interesting that Peter didn't even have a clue who Judas was? Noted, nor did the rest of the disciples. Um, how many people in this room, how many people in churches, how many people as part of Christianity have not truly understood who Jesus is or have heard and kind of understand, but they weren't ready to commit. And they checked out 
but they're yet they're still a part of a church. Um, and so here's this picture of, of Peter responding, no way, we are in, um, except for one. But Peter says we're in because you have the words of eternal life. Christ came, sent from heaven to show us, to tell us what it, what it takes to get to heaven, uh, to show us what salvation looks like, uh, to show us how to have eternal life, and to tell us how to have eternal life. Nobody else had this life-giving message of Jesus, and there was no other source that would satisfy. Um, it was by his words, and not only his words, he is the word. He is the way to eternal life. Uh, and, and knowing that, these disciples, through Peter saying this, is, yeah, we're in because you have the words of eternal life. And he also said, we're in because you are the Holy One of God. Now, this is a rare title given to Jesus in Scripture. Uh, the only other time this, this name, the Holy One of God, in the New Testament is when a demon-possessed man in the synagogue in Capernaum addressed Jesus with this title. But here is this title that is not the slightest, uh, or, or the, a title that shows absolutely no doubt in who he is. No doubt as God. No doubt as holy God. It stresses his holiness and his purity. Uh, if we can't have access to the Father because of his holiness, Christ Jesus is that same holiness. He is God. And in this holiness is how we have access to salvation, access to the Father through the Holy Spirit. And so here's Peter calling him the Holy One of God. Hebrews 7, 26, let me read this to you. It says, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, this is Jesus, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. That is Christ, our Messiah, who came to live on this earth to be our Savior and Messiah. In his holiness, he came and lived this perfect life, but to take on all of our sins, on the cross. So we're in because you are the Holy One of God. And then we're in because you are omnis omniscient, our sovereign God. This omniscient, the all-knowing of, of Jesus as man, but yet fully God. In verse 61, Jesus knew that these wannabe disciples were grumbling among themselves. In verse 64, he knew those who would not believe. He, kn he knew who would betray him. Uh, he knew that he would give his life on the cross, be raised again, and ascend to the Father. He even chose Judas as an apostle, although he knew that he would follow the ways of the devil. And that phrase devil, by the way, wasn't necessarily saying Judas is the devil, but he's following the ways of the devil. Jesus knew that. Uh, all of this speaks to him as omniscient God, all-knowing Jesus as God. And so the disciples have picked up a little bit of this and they know and, and are understanding who he is. And then we're in because you are the only way. Peter starts off his statement with what? Lord, to whom shall we go? Um, he knew that Jesus Christ was far and away this, the best supreme over all any other options. Actually, he was the only option. Was he not? The only way, the only truth, the only life is Jesus. 
Um, and Peter knows this. The disciples know this. Uh, the disciples were all in. They stayed during a hard teaching. They stayed when everyone else left. Uh, they stayed when the cost was high. They stayed even when it wasn't the popular option or opinion. So here's the disciples saying, yes, we are all in. We know who you are. We believe. They may not have the total picture yet, but they have enough. And isn't that beautiful that we just need a little bit of faith to have that relationship with Jesus, that we don't have to take all these classes, we don't have to attain a certain level of Christianity. It is simply to believe because God's got all the rest. And we come in faith to simply believe. So we saw who was in, we saw who was out. What about us? Are you in or are you out? Would we stay if the teaching is difficult? Would we stay when everyone else leaves? Would we stay when we realize the cost of the commitment our whole lives? Would we stay when it puts us at a disadvantage within this culture? It is not easy to be a Christian in this world today, is it? It's not ever been, but it seems more and more difficult day by day to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. It's not the popular opinion or the option. It's quite the opposite. And are you in? Are you in because you fully know who Jesus is as your Savior and Lord? There's no in-between decision, by the way. Either you're in or you're out. And do we choose Jesus? Do we choose Jesus fully as God, the Son of God, who came to, to live, to die for our sins, to be our Savior, the only way that we have access to the Father. Uh, he's conquered sin and death, and he is our Savior and our Messiah. And are we all in? Do, do we choose Jesus? Because when we choose Jesus, we have taken Jesus in to abide in us, in us and him. And that means we have given Christ control of our life, right? We have given him access, and we have fully committed for him to come in and have access to our entire life. And are we willing to even give our life for him? Um, would we be in if it costs us our life? And like I said, we, we struggle in this culture as Americans, but there are places around the world, China, for instance, that if you're a Christian, you could lose your life, your physical life. You know, we can get a little lackadaisical, a little lukewarm in our faith. It's kind of easy to show up to church you know, we decide to come in, come this morning and, and dress up and look nice. But there are places around the world that you have to sneak into any kind of worship. That you have to, to your, your life is in danger to come into fellowship with any believers. Are we that committed to our faith? Are we that committed to be all in with Jesus no matter the cost physically? And to understand that giving Jesus control over everything in our life? Let me ask us this as we, as we are closing up. Do we live like we are all in? You, we might sit there and say, yeah, I'm in. I know I'm not out. But are we living like we're in? Are we living like Christ is abiding in our life? Are we pursuing him in all things? Is there every aspect of our life that we have our eyes focused on Jesus? One of my favorite pictures and I've used this before, is Romans 12.1. Uh, 
says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Here's to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Sacrifice is usually made on an, on an altar. If we are presenting our lives, our bodies, as a living sacrifice on an altar, that's everything. That's not just our heart. It's not just our mind, our emotions. It's not just our body, which I pray we never have to lay down our, our physical body uh, as a martyr, but, but Christ might call us to that. But it's everything. It's our bank accounts. It's our relationships with our spouse, relationships with our children, with our friends. It's our job. It's the things that we do for fun. It is every aspect of our life is given over completely in commitment to Jesus Christ. Because if he is abiding in us and he is our Savior and Lord, then we give him everything. And that's hard. It's, it's impossible, really. But we do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. We do that in our relationship with Jesus. We do that in pursuit of the access that we have of the Father. It is because, again, it is all him. But we have to be willing. We have to believe. We have to have our faith. We have to be willing to commit and be all in with Jesus. Please pray with me. Father, I thank you for this morning uh, that we take a look at, at how this crowd responded uh, to the simple yet amazing, beautiful truth of what it means to believe in Jesus as our Savior and Lord, to commit, to fully commit to him and this relationship. Father, you uh, have provided us, your son, to be our Savior, to love us, to die for our sins, and all that you've asked us to do is to believe, uh, to step out in faith, to, to accept this gift that you have given us. And Father, that we go all in, that you help us in our journey. You help us in our sin and in our constant struggle to keep our eyes focused on you. But Father, I pray that you are reminding us this morning that you love us and that, that we have life because of Jesus, that we have access to you because of Jesus, that we have this time of worship that we celebrate and glorify you because of Jesus. Father, help us to be reminded of that, to, to be that much stronger in our faith, that much deeper in our belief of who you are and who you have given us through your Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.